Our text for this morning comes to us from Numbers chapter 21, and I'll read verses 4. Let's go through verse 9. Listen now for a word from God. Then the Israelites set out from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. So the people spoke against God and Moses, saying, Why have you brought us out from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food. There's no water. We're disgusted with this miserable food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, because we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord that he will remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and put it on a flagpole, and it shall... <clears throat> It shall come about that everyone who is bitten and looks at it will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on the flagpole, and it came about that if a serpent bit someone and he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And God, thank you for strange stories. Lord, I pray whatever wisdom we would hear from this would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So Sarah, Naima, and I were at a park in Southfield the other day going on a hike. And just so you know, going on a hike with a toddler is more like going on a hike by yourself with a sandbag on your hip. Except the sandbag wiggles and shifts around a lot whenever it feels like it. And it also has very strong opinions about which way to go and which sticks to stop and gather. And sometimes the sandbag, you know, drops the sticks and then it tells you to pick them up again. The sandbag also asks for snacks, and uh, it's actually socially unacceptable to leave this sandbag behind you in the car unattended while you enjoy a quiet walk. When we came to the trailhead, it was evening, and so the wooded path looked more like a shadowed cave. Naima, the sandbag, looked at me and said, Hey, Daddy-o, which is my latest nickname. Hey, Daddy-o, this one looks pretty scary. I laughed and said it did. And then she quoted her current favorite book and said, Oh, no, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We have to go through it. She was quoting the famous children's book, Going on a Bear Hunt, by Michael Rosen. Has anyone read this? Show of hands? Yeah. I think one of you uh, gifted this to us, probably one of the Nancys running around here. But in the story, if you haven't read it, a family decides to go on a bear hunt, like a lot of young families do. 
And along the way, they encounter the various obstacles in getting there. There's resistance from the world, or perhaps resistance from God, we might say. The first obstacle the family encounters is grass. And then it's a river, a slew of mud, a random snowstorm, later a forest with lots of roots for tripping. And the whole time they're on this bear hunt, the family sort of is mindlessly chanting, we're going on a bear hunt, we're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Which I'd like to note, you know, as Christians, I know we're a people of love and that, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. But a little fear, say, if you're going on a bear hunt, is actually a very, very good thing, especially if you have small children. The family's final obstacle is the bear cave itself, which, as I read it again this week, almost felt ironic. It's something like this. The thing that they've been seeking all along, they've presumably found. It's just a few steps ahead. And still, they look for a way over it. And they look for a way under it. And they have to remind themselves again that they have to go through it. We've all met some resistance in our life before, haven't we? We've faced an obstacle, something blocking our way to some goal or transformation that we're seeking, something we fear that pops up just as we thought things were going well, something we don't understand, something we do not want to deal with at all, something and sometimes someone stopping us from what we set out to find, be, or do. Pastor Sarah read last week about the call Moses received from God who appeared as a burning bush. We heard, as Moses heard, that he was to go and free his people so that they could have a day off from work, so that they might go and worship God together so that they might remember they were human beings and not just machines programmed to aid Pharaoh in his economic ambitions. After the burning bush, Moses and Pharaoh have a series of conversations that result in several deadly plagues sent by God to disrupt the life of the Egyptians, until finally Moses and the people are allowed to leave Egypt in search of the land that God promised them a place to worship, to be. They're going on a hunt for this land that they've been praying for, this land that they've been dreaming of and asking about all those years they suffered under oppression. On the way out of Egypt, God appears to them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, a sight that incites panic in the Egyptians and probably some of the Israelites as well. When they reach Mount Sinai shortly after, God thunders in fire and smoke and terrifies the Israelites. These are not the images of God that we are used to, 
And I'm sure they're not the images of God the Israelites expected. This doesn't seem to be a God of love and compassion. This God is not safe and comfortable. It is not the companion they thought they would have on their journey through the wilderness. This God must seem like more destroyer than savior, even as the Israelites are being actively preserved. We find them many years into their wandering in the passage we read this morning. And at this point, the people have grown impatient on the way to the promised land. They're grumbling about their leader, Moses, and God, the two that got them into this whole mess. They're lamenting their current plight of walking all day, regretting that they had ever left Egypt in the first place, and wishing that things could just go back to the way they were. They're even sick of the manna, the bread God sent from heaven so they wouldn't starve, and they're calling it worthless, miserable food. These people are absent any sense of gratitude. I'm not sure we can blame them. In response to their grumbling, it's implied by the writer of this text that God sent a tangle of venomous snakes often called fiery serpents, which, interestingly, fiery is the same word that we use to describe angels, seraphim. So it's implied by the writer that God has sent these angel-like snakes among the people, and these snakes are biting and killing them, many of them. Like so many of them that the people thought for sure that God sent this plague of snakes to punish them for all their grumbling moaning, and, you know, being human. So they came to Moses one day and they said, So, uh, we think we might have sinned. We've been, you know, grumbling about you and God behind your back, like, every day, every moment that we have, and uh, we're saying you got us into this whole mess, and we've been calling the heavenly bread trash, and secretly we've been praying we could go back to Egypt, Moses, and, uh, We're sorry for that. And I assume after their confession, they give this sort of collective apology. Whoopsie-daisy. We're sorry. And oh, we might have said those things, but we didn't mean what we said, Moses. We we were just blowing off steam, or no, we, we, we were just kidding around, or no, we were actually just trying to help because, you know, we heard somewhere that complaining might help with a long trip through the wilderness. And all that whole thing about wanting to turn around, well, that was, wait, did we say that? Are you sure? Ugh. And, and by the way, Moses, we love eating the same kind of bread every single day. We can't get enough of it. It's just amazing. And after they've apologized, they kindly ask Moses to find a way around this problem for them. They ask him to pray to God on their behalf. And they want God to take away the obstacle. So Moses goes to God and prays like he's asked, and God answers. But the answer is refusal. God refuses to take the problem away. The snakes are there to stay. The deadly bites are there to stay. The problem is not going away. The obstacle 
will not be removed. It's like God says, oh no, some snakes, some slithering venomous snakes. You can't go under them. You can't go over them. You have to go through them. And God instructs Moses to make a bronze snake and set it on a pole. And he tells Moses that anyone who was bitten by one of the snakes could go and look at the bronze snake attached to the pole and live. And that's what they did. They continued their journey through the snakes. And each time someone was bitten, they went and stared at the pole and they lived. And again, we find this God who is neither safe nor comfortable, but who is also Savior. You might remember that the family from We're Going on a Bear Hunt enters the cave and tiptoes until they finally find the one shiny wet nose, the two big furry ears, the two big goggly eyes of the bear that they've been hunting all along. And it's only in that moment that they realize that they actually are scared. They've been kidding themselves. They're very, very scared. And actually, they didn't want to go on a bear hunt in the first place. Uh, it would have been better if they just stayed home where it was safe and comfortable. This is true for any of us who set out on a journey to attain something, whether it's a bear in a cave or personal health goals or a promised land or getting that job we want or even for many of us here today, the revitalization of a dying church. We meet resistance along the way. We find obstacles we can't seem to go over or under. Obstacles we certainly don't want to go through. And so we do what we do. We try to run away. We want to go back to the comfort and safety of the past. Back when we were young and we had no responsibility. Back when that one pastor was here doing all those wonderful things they did. Back when all the committees of the church functioned the way they were supposed to function. Back when people just seemed to show up whenever we opened the doors. Back when we didn't have so much fraught history fogging the air between us. Back when we almost couldn't wait to come down here. Back when we weren't running from everything, we were running to it, chasing something. We all, at some point, want to retreat to what's familiar and known in order to avoid going through what's unknown and mysterious. And we want a God who gives us this just like that. But we don't serve a God who promises to take away all our immediate problems. We don't serve a God who promises to satisfy what we think are all our immediate needs. God is not here to remove the obstacles along the way. But this God is good. And this God has promised to walk with us on this journey through those obstacles. 
until the end of time. And more often than not, this walk with God gets really messy and hard because to walk with God or beside God is to be formed into the divine image. And friends, that ain't easy. We get ourselves dirty. We stumble. We say the wrong thing. We trip up. We get whipped around. We get bit. And we find that there's no perfect path to follow. And we find that there's definitely no way over or under any of this. But there is a way through it. Friends, God is calling us to embrace our reality, no matter where we are on this journey. Whether we're going through the grass, the river, the mud of life, or maybe we feel like it's more a forest or a bunch of snakes or a really scary cave. No matter where we are on the journey, God is calling us to embrace it, to be there, to stop wasting our energy trying to find a way over it or a way under it, and to trust that the Spirit of God has gone ahead of us to make a way where it appears no way exists. To trust that whatever we have been brought to, we will be brought through. And God will be beside us every step of the way. Amen. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for joining us on this journey. Thank you for forgiving us when we stumble and trip and grumble and moan. And God, I pray you would teach us to trust that there aren't ways over or under whatever's coming, but that there is a way through. Amen.